It is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. So this is, um, like I, I said at the beginning, a continuation of what Jesus was saying about um, not worrying. And here he says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And then Mark records Jesus um, speaking in a similar fashion in verse 15 of chapter 1. He says this, this is Jesus speaking again, The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus is declaring to us in these two Gospels the existence of a new and a different kingdom. And we need to see the reality of God's kingdom. His kingdom reminds us that there is more to reality than this life that we seem to be experiencing here on earth right now. There's more to the things that we feel or the things that we hear or taste. The prophet Isaiah warned about those of us who have eyes but could not see and ears but could not hear. When Jesus was asked why he taught in parables, he explained that spiritual truth cannot be understood by those who are dominated by material things or calloused hearts. The Apostle Paul, when he um, wrote to the Ephesians, he wrote that and prayed that God would open the eyes of their heart. That's Ephesians 1.8. Why did he pray that? Because genuine faith is a spiritual reality that transcends our material existence. I typically think of it like this. There's here and there's heaven. We all know about heaven. Well, I believe that heaven really is all around, that God's kingdom is all around us. But there seems to be a veil between what we see in this world and his heavenly kingdom. Sometimes that veil gets lifted and we get a glimpse of what's in there. Even when the veil is not lifted, we should know that His kingdom is always near. It's ever-present. I want to give you just a few biblical examples of where that veil was lifted. Do you remember the guy named Balaam? Balaam had a donkey. And God specifically told Balaam not to go to Balak. Balak was the king of Moab, and he wanted Balaam to come and curse Israel. And God told Balaam, don't go. Balaam didn't see the reality of God's kingdom, so he saddled up his donkey and he headed out against God's will. The angel of the Lord stood in the roadway. 
Balaam couldn't see him because he was in the, the kingdom realm. But the donkey saw the angel of the Lord. And so the donkey headed off into the field instead of going toward the Lord that was standing there with a sword in his hand. And Balaam got mad at his donkey. And he was mean to his donkey and he abused his donkey, trying to get his donkey back on the road, headed in the direction that he wanted to go. He even, the Lord even opened the donkey's mouth so the donkey could speak to Balaam. And Balaam sat there and argued with the donkey. Crazy, huh? And then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. He saw the reality of God's kingdom. You can read the full story for yourself in Numbers chapter 22, verses 21 through 34. Let's go on to another story from the Old Testament. There was a king of Aram who's, who was mad at Elisha. Elisha was a prophet of God's. And Elisha would always share what the king of Aram was going to do against Israel. He would go tell the king of Israel what was going to happen. Even though Elisha wasn't anywhere around, he couldn't hear you know, by being in the same room, but he always knew what was going to happen. So Aram was kind of upset about that. And he said, where is this Elisha guy anyway? And so our Aramean army surrounded the city of Dothan because that's where Elisha was. And they were going to capture Elisha. And Elisha's servant got up early in the morning and he saw all the armies around the city and he got scared. He couldn't see the reality of God's kingdom. So Elisha prayed. He said, O Lord, open the eyes that he may see what I can see. You see, Elisha could see through that veil into God's kingdom. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked over the hills. All around were chariots of fire that were protecting Elisha. He saw the reality of God's kingdom. You can read the full story for yourself in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 to 23. 2 Kings chapter 6. Well, let's go on to the New Testament. And I've told this, this story, this fact that happened before when I was talking about baptism. But remember Philip, who baptized the Ethiopian. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, and Philip heard God speak very clearly. He said, go south to the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Philip had other plans at the time, but he said, okay, Lord, that's where I'm going to go. And here came an Ethiopian riding in a chariot, reading from the book of Isaiah. And the Spirit told Philip, 
go to that chariot and stay near to it. So he went up next to the chariot and he could hear the Ethiopian reading from the book of Isaiah. And he asked the Ethiopian, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said, no, how could I really understand it unless somebody explains it to me? And he invited Philip into his chariot and Philip shared who Jesus was from that scripture of Isaiah. And the Ethiopian's eyes were open to who Jesus was, and he wanted him as his Savior, and he accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And then he said to Philip, what's stopping us from stopping the chariot right now? Here's some water over there beside the road. Couldn't I go down there and be baptized right now? And Philip said, sure, let's go do that. And they went down into the water. And the scripture says in Acts chapter 8, verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord opened that veil between our reality and the kingdom of God, and suddenly Philip was gone. The eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch, did not see Philip again. But he knew what was going on, and he went on rejoicing. And Philip, somehow, through the kingdom of God, had this instantaneous kingdom experience and found himself 30 miles away. They both saw the reality of God's kingdom that day. You can read the full story in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. These biblical examples of seeing the reality of God's kingdom, they're fun and they're exciting to read, aren't they? For those of us who accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we enjoy these things. But notice also in the scripture in Matthew and Mark that I read how Jesus describes this place, this heavenly realm as a kingdom. Isn't that interesting? A kingdom. He didn't say that I want you to seek God's family. He didn't say, I want you to seek God's home or God's town, but God's kingdom. He intends for us to appreciate the fact that it is a kingdom. It is different from worldly kingdoms, but it is also similar in the fact that his kingdom has enemies. We have an enemy who is opposed to Jesus and is opposed to the followers of Jesus Christ. To live in ignorance of the spiritual warfare is the most naive and dangerous thing that any person can do. It's like skipping through the worst part of the city with a wad of $100 bills you're just waving in your hand. Maybe it's like walking into Afghanistan today with a t-shirt that says, I love the USA. Or it's like walking into a pride of lions dressed as a wounded goat with blood smeared all over you. Failing to appreciate the uniqueness of kingdom authority and the opposition to the reign of Christ 
is one of the most critical mistakes that Christians make. We must open our eyes, our kingdom eyes, to see the reality of God's kingdom. The next thing we need to do is make kingdom pursuit a priority. Jesus is the ruler of a new kingdom. And he calls his followers to make pursuing his kingdom a priority. We are called to seek first the kingdom of God and to repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God must become our primary concern. This is how we begin to realize our vision to strive for. Glorify God by being devoted to him, to one another, and reaching the world for Jesus. The word first in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 that I read, is not a reference to time, but it refers more to a quality. There is a sense of priority above all things. Jesus is not teaching that we should seek the kingdom first and then pursue the things of this world that we want. We must have an exclusive orientation to the divine kingdom and his righteousness. Kingdom pursuit is not just the first of several stops on this journey of life. It is the purpose of life. Christ and Christ alone is sufficient to equip us for his kingdom. And guess what? The anointed one, Christ, is near. The kingdom of God is near, is what we read in Mark 1.15. It's through Jesus Christ that we have access to the divine provision to meet the needs that often cause us to worry. The Bible says in Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but offered him up for us all, how will he not along with him grant us everything? We need to get our priorities in order. Notice also that there is an action with our priority. We are commanded to pursue, to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. We need to move beyond a simple awareness that there is a kingdom authority. We're commanded to seek or pursue his kingdom. We need to choose to seek his kingdom in a very intentional way. God does not force us to seek him. The Bible says his spirit draws us to him. This is in John 6:44. But he does not force us. He draws us to him, but he doesn't force us. We do not seek God by accident. He draws us in. Jesus leaves the 99 and goes after the one that's missing. There will be things happening in the spiritual world with those that he seeks and those that are seeking and pursuing him that many people just cannot understand. A guy recently described these things that were happening to him. 
he came over to the church and he was talking to me about it. And he asked, aren't these things that are happening to me weird? Well, I don't know that I'd call them weird, I said. You know, God gets our attention in a very spiritual, heavenly, kingdom kind of way. Then we need to make that deliberate choice to seek and pursue His kingdom above all things. Pursue God in your heart. Let every day, every moment of your life be another encounter with His kingdom. The kingdom of God is near, the scripture tells us. Pursuing the kingdom of God can be a mysterious task if you do not, or if you do it on your own power. But when you repent and you believe and you accept the good news of Jesus, his kingdom is always findable. And that is not weird. That's the way God planned it. Proverbs 8.17 says, I love those who love me, and those who search for me will find me. Make kingdom pursuit your priority. And then the last part I want to talk about in these scriptures is that we need to seek his righteousness. We must recognize the reign of our King Jesus. It's not only powerful, but it's also pure and holy and righteous. Notice Jesus in Matthew 6.33 is not suggesting that we seek personal righteousness. He calls us to seek his righteousness. The emphasis is not on works. Jesus in Mark 1.15 reiterates the fact that there is nothing that we can do to earn our way into God's kingdom. We just need to realize truth, our shortfall in life. And then we need to repent and believe in the good news. Righteousness describes the quality of God's kingdom. Righteousness is what we can expect to receive as a divine provision when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. God's provision is not found in, on social media. It's not found on the internet. It's not found in the world news or in your favorite stores or any other place offering items for temporary pleasure. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 3, When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. This world has a lot to offer, but it does not provide what we need. These scriptures from Matthew and Mark are not a name it and claim it, promise for God to give you anything and everything that you desire. Usually what we seek in a worldly perspective can't even be found on the shelves of God's storehouse. But God does promise the riches of his kingdom and his righteousness 
What God has to offer is good because God is good. That's all he has to offer us is goodness. Jesus says, seek his kingdom and seek his righteousness. There was a young boy and his father that were walking down the street and there was a dead squirrel on the road. And so the young boy's father decided to to use that occasion to tell his son about the dangers of running into the road. When cars are passing by, it can be very dangerous, he told his son. This is what happens to you when you get hit by a car. A few days later, the little boy's mother was putting him into his car seat and she was explaining the car seat and the safety belts and explaining to him why he, he needed to be uh, strapped in and how it was going to protect him. If we're in a car wreck, she said, these seat belts and this car seat will help protect you. The little boy said, I know. And daddy said, when you get hit by a car, you turn into a squirrel. We laugh at these, this boy's failure to understand his father's instruction, don't we? But our failure to understand and apply the promise of our Heavenly Father is no laughing matter. We enjoy those stories of old that I told earlier. But they're truth. Jesus was speaking truth when he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. This is why Dunphy Missionary Church has a mission to live for and a vision to strive for. As a church, so that we can spur one another on and support one another. God made an incredible promise to care for us with great concern, greater concern than the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, but he also instructed where and how to find his provision. In all that we do, may we see the reality of God's kingdom, make kingdom pursuit a priority, and seek his righteousness. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you call us to seek your kingdom and your righteousness. We pray Lord, for people who love you and that you love, that need protection around the world from the evil, from the storms, from sickness. We pray that you watch over them and protect them. We pray for our community that you will bolden us to share your good news with our community. Help them to to seek your kingdom in your righteousness. We pray for our church, Lord. After this song, we're going to go into special conference. And we're going to talk about the bylaws of the church, but what's really exciting is we're going to affirm a group of people to seek our next pastor. Lord, we pray for our next pastor right now that you be with him, that you help him to seek your kingdom and your righteousness. We pray that you would open the veil and lead him to us. 
in your mighty way. Lord, we think of the scriptures that Jesus spoke to us. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.